You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at buffalorumlings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumlings Q&A, the podcast devoted to answering your questions about the Buffalo Bills. As always, you can get your questions in for next week's episode at 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at Rumlings Q&A. Send us Facebook messages, Instagram messages. Email is buffalorumlings at sbnation.com. You can leave comments in the comments section over at buffalorumlings.com on our show notes articles that post every Tuesday. We are getting clear of the fog of the 2020 NFL draft, starting to wrap our head around the pros and cons of each of those prospects, as well as kind of see how the 53-man roster might shake out and the uh, the depth chart is shaking out into the offseason. So lots of stuff to discuss there. So let's dive into all of that and your questions right now. Let's start with my 53-man roster projection, which I posted on Buffalo Rumblings last week. There's a lot of tough decisions on this roster, and when you look at how much money and time and draft picks they've spent on the defensive line, you want to keep more players there, but that means they have to come from somewhere else. So you're cutting not only rosterable players in the NFL, but guys that you really want to keep on the roster. So uh, at quarterback, I had them keeping three guys because of the selection of Jake Fromm. I don't think this offseason is going to really be conducive to to jettisoning Matt Barkley and getting rid of him and just going with the two young guys. The the COVID-19 thing, I don't know when they're going to get together. They're not going to have rookie minicamp together. It just it, It's a tall task. And, of course, they want to keep from around for some long-term development. So keeping three guys, again, takes another spot away from somewhere else because they've been traditionally going with two quarterbacks for the last couple of years. At running back, I had them keeping five. Uh, Patrick DeMarco, Taiwan Jones, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, and TJ Yeldon, uh, with the only cut being Christian Wade. They are going to be adding somebody at some point in time, whether it's a UDFA or uh, another free agent. But I think that your top three running backs are pretty much set in stone right now with Moss, Singletary, and Yeldon. Taiwan Jones is a special teams contributor and who can you know get you through the end of a game at running back if you need him due to injury. And then Patrick DeMarco may have a tenuous spot. The Bills did sign a, a pretty good undrafted free agent fullback, but I think they value his leadership and his command in the room. So I think that uh, Patrick DeMarco makes the team. Uh, so that's five running backs total. 
At tight end, I had them keeping four. Uh, Dawson Knox, Tyler Croft, Lee Smith, and Tommy Sweeney. In the comments section at buffalorollings.com, some folks were saying that the Bills could get rid of Lee Smith pretty easily. And while that may be true, um, I don't think it's going to be true the very first week of the year. Lee Smith is a very, very talented blocker. Uh, they did go away from more two tight end sets as uh, Brian Dable moved up into the coach's booth last year and started calling more wide receiver heavy packages. Uh, so if they keep doing that, I can see them getting rid of Lee Smith at some point in the year. Um, if, especially if Tommy Sweeney takes a step forward as that blocking tight end, and then they go with three tight ends. Um, but I, with especially with Tyler Cross injury history, I, I think four tight ends is is probably the right number. At wide receiver, I had them keeping six, and this is where it kind of got a little bit dicey for me. Um, I, I went back and forth with Isaiah McKenzie and Andre Roberts a, a few different times um, and eventually had them cutting Roberts because McKenzie gives them more on offense. It's not that I think McKenzie's this great weapon. I just think he adds more to the team and can uh, play more snaps on Sunday. But if you wanted to switch Roberts and McKenzie, that's fine. So here are the six that I had. Cole Beasley, John Brown, Gabriel Davis, the fourth-round pick, uh, Stephon Diggs, Isaiah Hodges, the sixth-round pick, and Isaiah McKenzie. If if you really want to keep Roberts, you probably have to get rid of one of the Isaiahs, either Isaiah Hodges or Isaiah McKenzie. I don't think they're married to McKenzie either. So uh, those are the guys that I had, which means that Robert Foster and Duke Williams both get cut as well. I just think the Bills tried to replace them in the draft and, and don't really value them that much. Uh, of course, injuries always happen at that position. So, you know, there's going to be a little bit of movement between now and the end of August at the wide receiver position. Um, but I had them keeping six there. Um, and again, if you want them to keep seven, that's great. But where's that position coming from on offense? Um, I had them keeping nine offensive linemen. Four on the interior, John Feliciano, Spencer Long, Mitch Morrison, Quentin Spain, pretty much who they had last year. Uh, they're cutting Ike Bucker in this situation. And then Evan Bame, the new guard that they signed uh, just a couple weeks ago, uh, I actually had them trading him like they did with Russell Bodine last year and Wyatt Teller last year. The Bills are going to have a glut of interior offensive linemen that they get to play with at the end of the offseason. And if you look at it, Evan Bame's been traded in exactly that position. Somebody had an excess at uh, interior offensive line. He was traded to the Miami Dolphins last year from the Colts. At offensive tackle, I had them keeping Ryan Bates, Deion Dawkins, Cody Ford, Ty Insecki, and Darrell Williams. Bates is that jack-of-all-trades uh, kind of guy that can back up multiple positions on the offensive line. Uh, Dawkins, Ford, Inseki, and Williams, um, especially because Williams can play some right guard if you need him to. Uh, I just thought it was it was good to keep those nine guys. And the Bills have traditionally kept nine guys on the offensive line. On the defensive line, I kind of grouped them all together. And again, this was really difficult to do because I kept nine defensive linemen, but only five linebackers, which means that there's going to be more defensive linemen playing special teams than normal. So you're going to have to see somebody step up somewhere in that regard. But I had them keeping uh, Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, A.J. Epinesa, Jerry Hughes, Quinton Jefferson, Star Latulale, Trent Murphy, Ed Oliver, and Harrison Phillips cutting Daryl Johnson Jr. and Mike Love. 
So some people were giving me a little bit of grief about keeping Trent Murphy, and I get that. But in this offseason, again, I don't expect A.J. Epinesa to be able to come in and wrestle away a starting job from Trent Murphy when he doesn't have a full offseason to do that. Um, same thing with Daryl Johnson. I don't expect the former seventh-round pick to make a big enough leap between year one and year two to be able to unseat Murphy or, you know, to play his way on the roster. The Bills spent so much time trying to upgrade that position group over the last couple of years that I just see uh, Johnson on the outside looking in uh, at this point in time. At linebacker, they only keep five, and I don't think that's very many. Uh, all of them might be active on game day. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, A.J. Klein, and Matt Milano are your three starters. Tyler Medikevich is your special teams ace, and then Voshan Joseph is your depth player. Uh, but they did cut uh, Terrell Dotson and Corey Thompson. So those are two players that really could make an impact on special teams, especially Thompson, who's been doing that for the Bills for the last couple of years. At cornerback, only five. EJ Gaines, Taron Johnson, Josh Norman, Levi Wallace, and Tredavious White, with Dane Jackson uh, being cut. Knowing EJ Gaines' injury history, uh, if you want to put Jackson on the team and Gaines off the team, that's fine. And then at safety, just four. Micah Hyde, Dean Marlowe, Saran Neal, and Jordan Poyer. Uh, Marlowe and Neal give you some of that big nickel opportunity. They're both probably going to play special teams. And then um, Jaquan Johnson gets cut. Specialists, uh, Corey Bajorquez, Reed Ferguson, and Stephen Hauschka. I just went status quo, again, because of the offseason. Uh, is, is it going to be enough for the Bills to see some of these guys in super limited conditions? Uh, I, I just don't know. We've seen the Bills take a kicker before and cut him. We've been trying to upgrade the punter position for a while now, and Bojorquez just keeps hanging on like a bad penny. So I'm just going to go with the status quo for now, and we'll let everything else sort itself out later. I'll put a link to that 53-man roster projection in my show notes article, but it really is a 55-man roster uh, in the NFL in the 2020 season with the new CBA. They're going to be able to bring up two players from their practice squad each week. And the practice squad was expanded to 12 players. The Bills get 13 because they have an exception for Christian Wade. So my 13 players on the Bills practice squad are the priorities for the practice squad. Uh, were Christian Wade, Robert Foster, Duke Williams, and Ray Ray McLeod. Uh, Trey Adams, who's the undrafted free agent offensive tackle, just because I wanted an offensive lineman on the practice squad. Daryl Johnson, Mike Love, and uh, Vincent Taylor on the defensive line. It's still defensive line heavy, having three on the practice squad and nine on the roster, but that's what I went with. Uh, Terrell Dodson at linebacker, Dane Jackson and Cam Lewis at cornerback, uh, safety Jaquan Johnson and Tyler Kicker, <laughs> Kicker Tyler Bass were my priority free agents to add to that because then they can just pull those guys up to the 55-man roster during the season if they need a guy to play for a game here or a game there due to injury. And so I think the Bills have amassed an excellent amount of depth. They could still use a top-line player somewhere, but they're not going to find that at this point in the offseason. So they're pretty much set right now for what their roster is going to look like, at least on opening day, outside of the injury component. And there will be injuries. With the offseason being the way it is and everybody training on their own, you're going to expect to see injuries when folks come back from the coronavirus-related uh, problems that we've been having. Uh, I do think there will be a season, and there will be a training camp before that and a preseason before that. Uh, so the, the guys need to keep training, but what's going to happen when they get to 
training camp and they're going full out for a couple weeks getting ready for the NFL season. You're expecting to see some of those soft tissue injuries, hamstring pulls, things like that. We will be right back after a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We've got your questions coming up right around the corner. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. To the phone lines at 716-508-0405 for our first listener question of the week. Hi, this is B Mormon 2020 at Twitter. Uh, live in Phoenix, Arizona. So we currently have Diggs, Brown, Beasley, Foster, McKenzie, Roberts, Duke, Ray Ray, Easley, and the two new draft picks, Davis and Hodgins. So that's 11 wide receivers. I was wondering how many receivers do you think that uh, the Bills will keep rostered? Who's going to get the practice squad and who is going to get cut? Hopefully Duke gets another shot. Go Bills. Thank you. Hi, Brian. Thanks for calling in all the way from Arizona. I went over the wide receiver position in my 53-man roster in the beginning of the podcast, but let's talk about it a little bit more in-depth right now. Let's talk about roster building for just a second. The Bills are either going to keep six or seven. So if you see a roster projection with eight wide receivers on the roster, it's just not going to happen. So I went with six on my roster because of the Jake Fromm pick. They really didn't have the ability to keep another wide receiver on the offense. So with that in mind, and that six as the target number, um, I went with the guys that we know are going to be the starters and the top level players. That's Stefan Diggs, John Brown and Cole Beasley. All those guys have guaranteed money on their contract for this year. Um, Stefan Diggs, obviously, they just traded a first-round pick for, so he's not going anywhere. So those three are set in stone. Beyond that, I think there's a lot of wiggle room where you can see guys moving up and moving back. Gabriel Davis, a fourth-round pick, they're, they're going to keep him on the roster, um, and he's in direct competition with those other two guys, Duke Williams and Robert Foster. Uh, he's got the longer speed. He's got the contested catch ability. He's the guy that they brought in to replace Robert Foster. Isaiah Hodgins is another player that they brought in to replace Duke Williams and Robert Foster. The long speed, the ability to make contested catches, uh, the bigger body, the sure hands, all the things that we may have had problems with with Duke Williams and, and Foster. So I just... The Bills know who they had in those two other guys and made it a point to go out and get two guys that played almost identical to them, um, but were hopefully upgrades. The biggest wiggle room for me came down to Isaiah McKenzie versus Andre Roberts for that last spot. And I know that Andre Roberts is a year removed from going to the Pro Bowl as a punt returner and kick returner, but I think McKenzie brings more to your offense, and McKenzie has experience returning punts and kicks. Really, they brought in Roberts because McKenzie was ineffective at returning punts and kicks, so 
I'm just hoping, I guess, that McKenzie has got better at that returning aspect and he can come in and add that element to the Bills and they can get rid of Andre Roberts, who's a little bit expensive, but really it's just so that we can add that element to the offense that Isaiah McKenzie brings to the table. But Duke Williams had every opportunity to lock down a long-term roster spot by coming up with some big plays in the playoff game against the Houston Texans, most specifically a, a touchdown catch at the end of the first half. He wasn't able to do that. Uh, he, They cut him during the season. I know Bills fans really like him, but the Bills have shown over and over again that they don't think he's the answer. Uh, they, they cut him at the beginning of the 2019 season. They gave him every opportunity to to be successful on the team and then they drafted two guys that could replace him so i just don't see how he makes the roster in 2020 without some injuries at the position thanks for your question all the way from arizona and go bills to the comments section at buffalorumlinks.com where a lifetime bills fan asks us First, I don't understand the hate the Bills fans and a lot of draft analysts have for Levi Wallace. I get that he doesn't have ideal measurables. Uh, if he didn't, he wouldn't have been an undrafted free agent, but he came in and was excellent as a rookie. I think that they expect Wallace to bounce back this year and to fight Josh Norman tooth and nail for the CB2 job. Well, yeah, I think that's accurate as well. Wallace is always going to be limited athletically, so there's always going to be the ability to improve from him but he also is a solid player that can come in and hold down the fort at cornerback two especially when you have Tredavious White on the other side he's not going to be put on an island um, so that you can't have as much freelancing from your safeties because they're going to need to keep an eye over there but I think really what it comes down to is that Bills fans saw him get beat by the Browns in a game that the Bills lost and you know he he was susceptible to a very good wide receiver uh, that day. And so uh, Bills fans saw that. They saw the Bills lost. They pinned it on Wallace, and it kind of clouds their judgment going forward on him. You know, the Bills have also continuously tried to upgrade that position, too. So kind of like what we talked about at the wide receiver position, if you're trying to constantly upgrade a position, obviously the Bills see a need there as well. And so they brought in Vernon Davis. They brought in... Josh Norman. They keep bringing in guys to try to take that job every year. Kevin Johnson, a year ago, a former first-round pick. So the Bills are constantly looking to upgrade from Levi Wallace. So I don't think Bills fans are way off base here. I think everybody's kind of on the same page, though. They see Levi Wallace is limited, but capable of holding down the cornerback two job, at least uh, for the short term. He's got one year left on his deal. A year from now, the Bills would have to make him a restricted free agent tender offer if they wanted to keep him. That's a couple, is it two or three million dollars? I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's you know a fairly significant investment in a guy that you think is just a guy. So I'm not sure the Bills are actually going to re-sign him under that tender. Uh, they may try to sign him to a one-year deal that's worth less than that, or like they did with uh, Isaiah McKenzie this year, or they may try to give him a, a short you know, medium-sized extension, which he should not take. So, I mean, this might be the last year we have Levi Wallace on the team. Uh, thanks for your question. Uh, BuffaloRumlings.com in the show notes of our podcast article. Quickly, let's get to our Twitter question of the week, which comes from All Things Bills. And he asks, uh, is next year a make-or-break year for Josh Allen? Absolutely yes and absolutely no. 
This year with Stefan Diggs, the Bills have removed all the variables for Josh Allen's development. They have a an offensive line that is seasoned and worked together last year, so they should be doing pretty well there. They've got weapons at tight end and wide receiver and just drafted another running back. They've removed all the variables. They have a Brian Dable who's been with Josh Allen for a while now. So if you look at all of that, you have to think to yourself, yeah, if Josh Allen doesn't take a step forward this year, the Bills you know, might not want to keep him long term. A year from now, the Bills have to decide on the fifth-year option for Josh Allen if they want to keep him around for that extra season at the average of the top 32 salaries at his position in the NFL, which is no small uh, decision. Uh, That wouldn't take effect until the 2022 season, but they have to make the decision next year, and that money's guaranteed. So in some ways, it is a make-or-break season for Josh Allen just because the Bills have to make so many decisions. We just saw it with Mitch Trubisky. The the Bears did not pick up his fifth-year option because he's been so inconsistent. I think Josh Allen has done better than Mitch Trubisky, but if he doesn't continue to get better, it's going to be very difficult for the Bills to go into next offseason and not try and get another quarterback option. So this is the last year that they're going to be kind of all in on Allen, not give him any real competition. But after that, I think it is going to be time uh, for you know the painter get off the ladder time with Josh Allen. The Bills will have to make a multi-million dollar decision on Allen in one year. And so in some ways it is a make or break year for Josh Allen, but there is still some wiggle room, even if they decline that fifth year option. Thanks for your question over on Twitter. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. Get your questions in for next week's episode right now. 716-508-0405 is the voicemail line. You can tweet us at Rumblings Q&A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. Email us, buffalorumblings at sbnation.com, Instagram, Facebook. And keep an eye on those social media channels. We'll be doing some live versions of this podcast recording coming up over the next couple months as you know we're all stuck at home hopefully getting back to work in New York and around the country and around the world. We are continuing to put out great content over at buffalorumblings.com, so check it out. Go Bills!